This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to this edition of Five on Three. Guys, we've been doing we've been doing funerals for teams for a little bit now. We did a Rangers funeral, we did Devils funeral. This is the one I'm most excited for. Making her five on three debut. The legend Maddie Bamonte. And she has a eulogy prepared. So what better way to start the show than with a hurricane's funeral? Maddie, take it away. Guys, I'm absolutely blessed and honored to be here on five on three today, celebrating the loss of my team, my home state's team, the Carolina Hurricanes. It was just yesterday, I remember being seven years old and being at PNC Arena on my birthday and watching the Hurricanes absolutely blow a win. I was not, I was not dead yet. I thought, I thought, hey, it's just an off year. They're just having an off year. So I returned the next year. I was eight years old and they lost again. This continued for another year before I realized I shouldn't be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. So I stopped. And to this day, I have hopped off the bandwagon because what I have seen from the Carolina Hurricanes has been just the amazing ability to lose the Eastern Conference Final like no other team, quite literally like no other team. So I want to start off with a statement from Coach Rod Brindamore after his team's sweep from the Eastern Conference Finals, in which he said, that's the unfortunate part of this, is that we're going to look back and everyone's going to say, you got swept, but that's not what happened. (laughs) I watched the game. I'm there. We're in the game. We didn't lose four games. We got beat, but we were right there. Now, normally, when you get swept, I would say it's pretty obvious you lost four games. (laughs) I think when you look at this team who hadn't made the playoffs from like 2009 to 2018, that's a long time. And then to get back into the playoffs for five straight years, and then after this year, plagued with injuries, your star players go down, and then you get swept. And you go, we didn't lose. No. Rod, you lost. I really hate to say it. And after seeing this team just constantly get walked over, I I don't know a better way to say this than, yes, injuries played a role. Yes, that was a big thing for them in their game for loss. However, the, the Hurricanes literally led in every single category in terms of shooting, like offensive chances, everything and they lost so you have to ask the question rod did we get swept or did we lose i think we lost and with that i'm going to leave the carolina hurricanes ready for another season to get swept in the eastern conference finals yet again it's it's enough to make a grown man cry that's it's beautiful maddie i want you to stay with us for a little bit okay you're from North. You're from North Carolina. Can yeah. you describe to me just the feeling when you saw them lose, given all of your your anger and spite for the team? Uh, I remember vividly watching many Hurricanes fans Instagram stories with the same phrase: "We'll be back next year," and I don't doubt it. I think they will be back next year. 
are they going to actually win a game in the Eastern Conference final after winning the Metropolitan Division? Maybe, maybe not. I think that this team, (laughs) funny enough, getting swept by the Panthers, another Carolina named team. The Panthers won something in Carolina. That's crazy to me. (laughs) It's it's crazy to think (laughs) the Panthers won in Carolina. (laughs) And, And you know what? I'm just like, I have to give credit to the Carolina Panthers, not Carolina Panthers. No, I don't. I have to give credit to the Florida oh Panthers. God. Sorry, I had them in my head. <laughs> the Florida Panthers, who had just a phenomenal game in terms of offense. When they go out there and they are just taking opportunities constantly with being patient, that was their thing. The Hurricanes are a fast team. They were patient and they got their goals where they needed to go. And I think the funniest thing about all of this is the Hurricanes only lost these games by like one goal or lost in overtime. Season's not over, guys. You got to keep playing through the entire playoffs. And I feel like after the Bruins went out, it should have been maybe a wake-up call for the Carolina Hurricanes. Hey, maybe we should like continue this. Maybe we shouldn't be like resting on our laurels. But I think they did when they got to this Eastern Conference final. And I am not confident that they're going to do well again next year if they continue to think that they're just going to do fine. Maddie, my my favorite Carolina resident, I have like a two-pronged question for you. Yes. The first is, do you find it like poetic at all, given their 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 prior shortcomings? Do you find it poetic at all that they basically lost and and punched Florida's ticket to the Eastern Conference final with a mere 4.3 seconds left to go in regulation. So the funny another funny thing about that is I watched the game with my dad who still has faith in the Carolina Hurricanes unlike me and was adamant that that shouldn't have been a goal. He was adamant that he thought it was wrong. And I said he thought it was an interference. He thought it was an interference. He said the refs have been bad like all game it's been it's not been good for them. This was just a nail in the coffin. And to that I say, that's hockey, baby. That <laughs> like, watching that game, it was an interference, in my opinion. And I think it was just really unfortunate timing for them. And I'm glad that, you know, happened to the Panthers on home ice. And the second prong to my question is uh with the way that Carolina is so good at losing games in four, do you think that they'll somehow be the first team in the future to somehow lose a a best of seven in three? It's a really good question. (laughs) (laughs) Great question. It's a great question. I just think I want to see how many more years they can go getting swept in the Eastern conference finals. I think we should make it a record um, to see how many years they can go back to like to back to back to back years and we can hang a banner in pnc arena uh next to all of our amazing stanley cup wins that we definitely have and then put that up there right next to it one last question and then you can leave the podcast forever do cheaters win what did you just say sorry do cheaters, do cheaters win no cheaters never win and that's why the carolina hurricanes didn't win um, that is my least favorite chant probably in the history of any sport. Uh, I stand by that. I can say that as a North Carolina resident. Um, there's a lot, you know, in North Carolina and just in North Carolina sports, there's a lot of uh, bringing the noise things. Uh, the Carolina Panthers have keep pounding where you have to pound the seats and the Hurricanes do this like siren, get loud, get loud. 
it's not working. It's not working. I will say the Carolina Hurricanes uh, concessions, pretty good. So they had something going for them. I say that stuff is cheap compared to like MSG or anything else. So they have, they have that. They're no MSG, but they're, they're PNC Arena where I have had some great memories and hope to continue making even more memories going forward. Well, Maddie, uh, it was an honor to have you here. You've taken all of my points about Carolina, so thanks for that. Please leave. Please don't come back. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for having me on, guys. I hope you have a great rest of the pod. Oh, to wow. you never, Maddie. Always. Who was that? Women, right? Okay. Now let's do a show. Okay. Um, so let's let's talk a little <laughs> bit about Carolina and Florida and then and then we can we can dive into the other stuff. Um I really do want to make fun of Rod Brendamore. Yeah. Because it's just an it's an absurd quote. It's all time. And I, I think it's all time. I get where he's coming from. Listen, they lost every game by one goal. Two of the games went to overtime. The last game was decided in the last 4.3 seconds. I get what he's saying. Caroline is in that series. And there's even, there's a part of that quote where he says, you know, that we were right there. It could have been four games the other way. And he's right about that. Like, he's not wrong. But you can't say, you can't say that you didn't get swept. You can be like, hey, we're in that series. I don't think that this looks as bad as other sweeps. Even that would be, Maybe if he just say, but you can definitely say, hey, we were in that series, but you just can't say that we didn't get swept. You did. He lost four games. It happens. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that kind of quote could only happen in hockey. Like, like ho- I feel like hockey is like such like especially NHL playoffs, like the intensity and with these two teams, like both like high octane offenses. Like the the Panthers just really know how to like pepper the net and like they really know how to put how to put shots on goal, and I think that like having having that quote from Coach Rod, it's like it's it's definitely it definitely reeks of like saltiness, obviously. But I I, I think I think also it just it it just goes to show how a conference final sweep we saw one in the NBA as well, uh, how kind of demoralizing it can be to get as far as you do just to win zero games in route to a cup final. And the other thing is, I think there's a clear objective with what coach Brendan Moore was trying to do there. I, I see what he's trying to say as, as Lou mentioned as well, you know, it was, there was not a single blowout in that series, not to mention, like you said, two overtime losses. And I thought just watching this series objectively, I thought Carolina played relatively strong at five on five. Like I really, I really think that they did. Um, and I don't think that at any point Carolina's goaltending was poor. Like, I don't think, I don't think at any point you saw a blowout. We didn't really see a high scoring game. In fact, for, Oh my God, the, the four overtime game. I wish it was more high scoring. Yeah. Like in the, in regulation, I mean, um, but most goals on the series was, was four, man. And, exactly. And so you can't really say, three, two, one. right. So you, well. you can't re- you can't really say that that Carolina got manhandled in the series, and that probably is a tougher pill to swallow. So I understand what Coach Brindamore is trying to to say, but there's a time and a place for you know these sort of sunny these glass half full kind of sunny comments. If that's something he wants to say to his team when it's okay, yeah, you know, in the locker room, you know, boys. 
we got swept, but you guys were in every game. This didn't feel like a sweep. Fine. But when you have a team that is just that just got a four game bounce from the Eastern Conference Finals, I think that one, that that's the tone deaf comment. And two, I think they're also caught off guard because this is really the only team, in my opinion, that it's kind of crazy because I was thinking about this the other day with Carolina's route to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, the Islanders took two games from them, but I, I, in their wins over the Islanders, they were dominant. I don't think that that was an even matchup. Like Islanders were a wild card team. I, I don't think anybody would have thought that the Islanders Canes was an an even matchup. Then they go to the yep. next round. They go to round two and they play New Jersey, which we all thought was going to be a nail biter, and it was the exact opposite. So. Honestly, this was the first time where they really had to face any sort of exhaustion or any sort of real, you know, hardcore challenge being tested. And it wasn't until round three. So I don't I, I don't I, I understand what he's saying. But, you know, when when you when you dog walk the two previous teams and then you you face a team that finally truth just full on beats you in four games. I, I just don't think that that's the right comment to be making. The other thing that I think is part of this is that curses are real in the NHL. We know that. Whether you want to talk about Toronto, whatever you want to talk about, <laughs> curses are real. And I think he's trying to get ahead of that a little bit. I don't know, actively. It's a thing now in Carolina that not just they haven't won an Eastern Conference Finals since they won the Cup in 2006. They haven't won a game, as Maddie said. Like, that's a bet. 12 Eastern Conference Final games, you haven't won one of them. Like, that's a that's a tough thing. The other thing I want to talk about that he ends up saying at the end of that little media thing, he goes, coming this far with what we're missing is pretty impressive. And I agree. They're down Pacioretty and Sveshnikov the entire playoffs. They get Taravainen back for this Eastern Conference final. They were without him for basically all the first two rounds. And I already thought on paper, Carolina is not the most talented team in the Eastern Conference. They're behind Boston. Again, I think on paper, you put them behind Toronto, you put them behind New York, you might you could argue you could put them below below Tampa if you want to. Carolina's thing is that they're a great scheme team. And when you lose Pacioretty and Sveshnikov, what they did this year is absolutely impressive. Well, and not yeah. to mention, obviously no one hopes for nobody hopes for an injury, right? But I remember covering the Islanders series in the first round that when Tara Vinan went down, you know, that was sort of a not I don't want to say it was a high point because that sounds scummy. But it, it it was something where the Islanders were like, wow, like they were already shorthanded and now they're even they're now they're even more banged up. Like it was something that trust me, it, there were points made of it in on Islanders Twitter and Islanders media because they were like delighted that they had they didn't have to play a full strength Carolina roster. I think, yeah, I think especially in the playoffs, what we've seen is is talent is is talent. <clears throat> Sorry. Talent has shown over scheme. I think that, like, a lot of the times you said, like, Carolina is more of a scheme team. But, like, when when players go down, that's that's when you're – that's when, like, you you show how solid you are as a squad as a whole. That's when the, like, the third-line guys and the, and the fourth-line guys really, like, can, are able to step up. And when you have that – and when you have talent like that uh, – and you get you get on the bad side of some injuries. You get the, on the bad side of some calls, some penalty minutes. It the series can't go your way. I mean, does that happen as often as it does with Carolina losing four games in a row? Pretty pretty remarkable loss of. I, I don't 
don't want to say luck, but I mean, again, close games, really close games, two overtimes, Kachuk with four seconds left. It's just like these close series, like Carolina just can could not seem to catch a break. It was pretty brutal. I, I want to dive into this a little bit before we get into Florida. Sebastian Ajo is always going to get the brunt of the blame when Carolina loses, especially when he doesn't score a goal in the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's because he's the star of this Carolina team. And he's still, if you look at their postseason, he led them with 12 points. I think he's a little bit unfairly targeted. <laughs> I, there's only so much he can do. <clears throat> yes, it would have helped if he could score uh, a goal in this Eastern Conference Final. But I, I, I it, it's, it's tough for him because I think when you look at Carolina and you look at their lack of, let's say, star power, the blame, when they lose, the blame's kind of always going to fall on the few stars that they have, and that usually is Ajo. I think he's getting a little bit unfairly targeted for this loss. Sebastian, players like Sebastian Ajo are always, it's it's really truly any superstar or any or any just great player on the team are always unfairly targeted because when it's every other player that's not as as well-known, when they don't show up, it's it's any other day. And when they do show up, it's headlines. And then for players like Sebastian Ajo, their normal elite level of play is every other day. And then when they don't show up, it's headlines. You can't win when you're when you're at least in the eyes of of, of sports media. There are certain players that just can't win. And this was especially prevalent. I'm I'm sure Chaz will appreciate this connection. Last year, I would argue that Jason Tatum had a pretty lackluster NBA Finals, and people ripped him for it, absolutely ripped him for it. And I remember getting into full-fledged arguments with my dad where I'm like, do you realize that there's more than just one superstar on the team? And on top of that, you, you there's other moving pieces to a team besides this one guy. And also, it's so easy to overlook when one guy doesn't show up He's part of the reason they made it this far. The Islanders could not contain him in round one. He skated circles around the Devils in round two, and he has an off series. Now, is it a bad time to have an off series? Absolutely. It's Eastern Conference Finals, and you're a team that, as we mentioned earlier, the Eastern Conference Finals have not been too friendly to them. But you can be objective and say that no goals from Ajo in the series is backbreaking, but you can't – you'd be I'm, – I'm sorry, I don't want to sound blunt, sound rude. You'd be a moron to to think that he would – that he's um, – to give playoff-wide criticisms or criticisms of him as a player because of this series. He is literally one of the reasons that they were even in that series to begin with. I, I totally completely agree. That is the argument I always try to make with, like, a player that gets labeled a choke or, like, not clutch when it gets into, like, late playoff series or late late series games, game sixes, game sevens, across all sports. You're, like, going back to the Jason Tatum thing. They don't even make the finals without his play in the Eastern Conference finals. Exactly. And it's, the same, it's the same thing. It's same thing with Ajo, like you said. Dude, when you said he skated circles around the Devils, I honestly even think that's an understatement. The way he looked on the ice in that series was ridiculous. And I mean, like regular season, 36 goals, uh, 30, 31 assists, like, like stuff, stuff, stuff like that is the reason Carolina was even able to get such a high seed and, and able and, and seeding, especially in hockey, I feel like as we've seen this year. Obviously, like a wild card upset with the greatest regular season team of all time. No, I'm not over it yet. Um, 
seating is as important as ever, especially with um how the conferences got rearranged and the and the divisions got rearranged. Yeah. So if you're not if you're a Carolina fan bashing Aho right now, I don't think you're real. I don't think you're a real Canes fan, in my opinion, because you're that that guy is one of the biggest pieces of the pie chart with the title being why did we get the number one seed in the Metro? Obviously, we've spent a lot of time in the Hurricanes. This might be one of the last times you talk about them this year. They're out, so wanted to give them their due. We have to talk about Florida. They're going to the Stanley Cup. It's a magical run. I want to start this off with, holy cow, Matt is special. He's he's a different he's a different level dude, man. At a certain point, you just can't can't say anything else. He's just different. I mean, I'm I'm glad that you you started off with him because no matter where the conversation was going to go, that it was, was always starting. Off. Thing. I was you can't, it was always Kachuk. Yeah, you can't Kachuk. work around it. Now, look, we always knew we always knew that Kachuk was a good player, right? But after this year, this playoffs, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it, it's time that we're putting him in the same category as as you know Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Matthews, you know, David Pasternak, people like that. That's the, the level that he's that he's played on over these last two seasons. And it's about time that, that he gets that sort of, uh, you know, gets his flowers in that regard. I, you know, I think his game's not as, as pretty as the, the Matthews, the Panarins, the McDavid's of the world, but who cares, man? Like he's kind of a little bit like more old fashioned where it's like, Hey, gritty, I'm going to go in front of the net. I'm going to hit a little bit. I'm going to be a tough guy, but the point production's there. He's a son and he's, Willing Florida to the Stanley Cup, I think, is too strong because I think that Florida's getting exceptional performances up and down their lineup. But he is a huge, huge part of their success this year. And he's clearly, I think, establishing himself as, if he wasn't already, like one of the stars in this league. And man, you look back at that trade now, the past offseason, where you know Florida gave up Huberdo and Uyghur to get Kachuk. Holy W, dude. I mean, I know. And we want to talk about. He might not be willing them to the Stanley Cup by himself. Kachuk might have willed them to the playoffs by himself with his performance in the regular season. So million credits go to Kachuk this year. Yeah, I mean, that last wild card spot of being up for grabs, like them being on the brink of the playoffs and having to have – it was like a Penguins upset. Yeah, Penguins that, or, had to lose to Blackhawks, and then they lost to the Blue Jackets as well. Yeah, yeah, like like losing to the original who's going to get like the team that's like – locked in to get Connor Bedard had to win a game for the, the Panthers to make the playoffs. So I think it's pretty, it's what Kachuk's play has been as ridiculous. He reminds me of Martian a little bit, like, yeah. like get getting in the front of the net. Like I've seen like on hockey, I'm, I'm new to hockey, but like see on hockey Twitter, everyone's like, there's a new, like there's a new rat King in town. Like that's like, because he, because he just weasels his way around the crease and just, and just like peppers, like, he he is a ridiculous piece in that Florida offense, and I think that uh, I, th- I I totally agree with what you said. You took the words right out of my mouth. We need to keep putting him in the conversation with the top guys in the lead, like uh, like McDavid. I want to highlight in this series as well. He and Barkov both have five points in this series. That was a series high. No one in Carolina has more than two, so I do think it's a little bit of a talking point with Carolina that they didn't have anyone in their team that took it over in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I'm not sure how many players you do have on Carolina that have that ability to just take over a series. I think Ahu is one of those guys. Tara Vineman, when he's fully healthy, probably one of those guys. How many guys, though, on Carolina can fully take over a series and give you 
five, six, seven points in a four-game span, right? That's kind of not what they're about. I think that was a difference maker in this series too. I mean, they they beat they beat the Islanders on an overtime goal from Paul Stastny. Like it's yeah. it's not it's they're not a team that had um especially given the health issues, they're not a team that had a ton of depth in the playoffs overall. But no, I I completely agree with you. I think they had I think Florida had enough. I don't even think it was the fact that Florida on paper is that much better of an overall team than Carolina is. I think it's just a matter of having more people that showed up and that's just how it went. And the other thing is while we're talking about Kachuk, I just want to say one last thing. One of my favorite things with players, I always find that the most special players have, you know, certain things, certain accomplishments, certain achievements that you don't quite always talk about in a normal box score or on a normal stat sheet. And one of those things that I think we can't not include when it comes to Kachuk is the fact that he scored four game-winning goals in this postseason. To this point, he has been the guy that has decided four. We're, we're through three series now. So and three of them were in this series. So the, fir- yeah. the first two overtime games and the goal in game four. Exactly. So there are – We've played, so they've won 12 games to get to this point. Let's do some quick math. 12 games. So 33%, a third of the wins for this Florida Panthers team so far this postseason have been because of a shot off the stick of Makachuk. Clutch. Cl- cl- clutch gene like I actually have not seen in the NHL in a, can't in a teach very pure, pure mentality. Probably because he went to high school with Jason Tatum. Taught him everything he Could knows. Could be. <laughs> I him everything some- he knows. JT. Want to give some love to Sergey Bobrovsky? Oh my god! One of oh the nicest god. players in league. You can't hate him. You gotta love him. And he balled out. Nine sixty six save percentage in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think it's like nine thirty nine thirty five on the entire playoffs. You're getting vintage Bobrovsky, and it's amazing. And he I mean, stopped. It, it, I I forget what the exact statistic was. I think it was ninety one point nine percent on high danger attempts. Yeah, yeah, which is and just ridiculous. Carolina did produce a lot of high scoring chances in this exactly carolina had more expected goals through the majority of the series that's what's crazy also about this is about this how it how they end up getting swept and how low scoring the series was was carolina for the majority of the series had more expected goals every game how how interesting when when like taking it back to the Bruins series um like how weird is it to think about how they started out with alex lyon and like how Bob Bobrovsky's been playing has been uh has been out of this world compared to even the play the play that we saw we saw from lineup beginning of the series. I think that Bobrovsky under Kuchuk and Barkov is like one of the uh, another one of the main reasons that the Panthers are as uh successful as they are. They're just I feel like everyone on that team is playing up. Everyone's playing up to their fullest potential. And if you can maintain that for four seven game series and you can keep those series short because you're sweeping people or five gaming people you can win a stanley cup you can win the stanley cup from the wild card spot all right let's let's shift the attention to the western conference a few days ago we were in a situation where it looked like we could get two sweeps to get us to the stanley cup but actually almost just like in the case of chaz's celtics who have come running back after being down 3-0 and jack celtics also yeah, wait, Jack hold Celtics. on a second. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? 
You know, from now on, this episode can be you and Chaz. Uh, it's clearly just a little date between you two. I'll, I, I won't, I won't third wheel. I'm anything. sorry, Jack. Did you post a video on your Snapchat speaking Spanish? No, I, no, I didn't. I actually posted a high death video of the play itself on my Instagram story. It's you're very forgettable, Jack. I'm sorry, Jack and Chaz. You go ahead and you ask now WFUV alum. Taylor Massetta, who I was hanging out with while I watched the game last night, you ask her how loud my scream was in her living room, and she will tell you, I was electric watching that. Jack, Good friend, Taylor Massetta. I'm sorry. I apologize. I love you. Friend if we can move on, if we can get to the hockey of it all. Okay, yeah. sorry. But I was trying to give you guys a nice little culture tie-in about it's it's very accurate. Boston guys, you were very happy <laughs> about it. There's another comeback in hockey. Let's talk about that one. Dallas has made it a 3-2 series. And I think this was a similar one to maybe not as close as the Carolina series through three games, through four games. But Dallas was in it for the first two, and then they got blown out in game three. Lost the first two games in overtime on rebound shots that Andre had no chance of getting to. But look at this. Out of nowhere, they've won the last two games. It's a 3-2 series. And that now I, I kind of I'm kind of riding with Dallas. I came into the series rooting for Dallas, so I'm I'm kind of vibing with them. If I'm not mistaken, it goes back to Dallas for Game Six, right? It does. And the thing with Dallas is there's also kind of more fun storylines. I know that this isn't really. Um, I know it's all about the game. It's all about the product on the ice. But the two two of my favorite things so far being one. Can we just stop and appreciate the amazingness that is Jason Robertson for a second? My God, um, just on an absolute tear, five goals and an assist over his last five games. Absolutely ridiculous performance out of him so far. And then last night, we get two goals in under two minutes from Ty D'Andrea, <laughs> which I Didn't mean, have that on my bingo card. I almost missed the second one because it was so quick. Like I looked up just at the right time and saw the rebound and, and the score, the turnover actually into the score. But you know, Del Andrea has been in and out of the lineup for Dallas. He's this is his, this that was his first time even playing in Vegas in the postseason. He'd been healthy scratches the previous two games. So there's just more fun. They're waking up. There's more fun stories on their side, and that's what I think also feeds into this overall momentum that you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jason, what are you saying? Jason Robertson, just, just a, a ridiculous hockey player. I mean, a uh, hundred, a hundred plus goals in the regular season. I obviously great doing his thing. You got, you got Ottinger. I think that what the key with this Dallas team is they need to start functioning on all levels. I think a lot what's happened is maybe their defense, their their defense gets up to it and their goalkeeping's good, but they can't score the puck or. Uh, or they're 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 peppering the net on, on on offense, but but their defense gets sacked. If they remain consistent, I think they can pull off this. What would be a ridiculous comeback? Only four teams in Stanley Cup playoff history have ever come back from being down three nothing and won their series. I do want to highlight. I think few of the big differences the last two games. Uh, I think one being the help that they're getting from their third and fourth lines. Listen, I think that, you know, Rope Hints has been there the entire time. Obviously, Robertson's turned it on three goals in the last two games, but Robertson's been a force the entire series. You've gotten good play from Pavelski, but you really you really weren't getting anything from your bottom lines. 
in game four, it's that fourth line where it's like Olafson, Foxa, Glenn Denning that shows up. And especially, listen, Olafson's a guy that is really only in there because the suspension to Ben, the injury to Dodonov, like this is a guy that was not playing until the last two games. And then in, in game five, it's that line with Max Domi and Delandria, right? And Delandria has the two goals. So you're, you're kind of seeing the third and fourth line step up. And hey, no brainer, when you have kind of like line chemistry and all your four lines are playing well, you're going to win some hockey games. That kind of makes sense. Well, and the other thing I think is important and I think different about games four and five, you mentioned uh, Jamie Ben. I think they played pissed off. Mm. You know, after this game, after this, after game five, uh, you know, there were multiple players that were saying that they're playing for Jamie. Now, I do think, I won't say we, the suspension was Can we was talk justified. about the Jamie Ben thing? Because it's one of the stupidest penalties that anyone's oh, ever Oh, seen. I'm not going to, no. For I'm a not team gonna... that was down 2 nothing already. Right, no. I, overtime I, games. To do that 43 seconds into game three, he's an idiot. Oh, no, no, Great no. Player, he idiot. completely he completely deserved what he got. The fact that was one of the most cheap shots I've ever seen. What I'm saying more is that I think they're playing pissed off because they didn't want to play without his leadership. They were already they were already down 3-0 in a series. They're on the brink of elimination with a chance to go to the Stanley Cup final on the line against a team that honestly, against a Florida team that I think Dallas would match up pretty well against. And they have to play without their captain. Now it's because of his own stupidity. Yeah. But they're but they were, I think they were angry that they had to play without their 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 captain. And I think that motivated some of their play in games four and five. I think they played pissed off. And no, I think I think the best chance for Vegas to clinch was games four and five. But now I think Dallas is gaining momentum. Trust me, these next two games are going to be two of the hardest games that Dallas will probably ever play if they were to play two more games. But now Dallas is gaining momentum. They're getting Jamie Ben back. So they're getting a key player back. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm already starting to get some flashbacks of 2019 Vegas versus San Jose. If they continue this like trend of not scoring, going deep in the playoffs, who's to say that this won't be the first ever 3-0 comeback in the conference finals? Because honestly, that's what I'm putting – that's what I, that's what I think is going to happen. Dallas, Dallas, to me, we're talking about like only four teams in NHL history. Dallas just screams unprecedented to me. I, I obviously like I wanted to to bring some little nuance to the pod. I didn't I didn't want to just be at the top with like Robertson's good and and Hintz has to be good. So I'm kind of doing a deep dive looking at the roster. A 38 year old Ryan Suter is averaging 23 minutes and 30 seconds of ice time a game, and he has six goals in these playoffs. He's averaging the he has the most ice time on the entire squad. That that like that kind of play like. Like when you get play from guys like that, uh, when at, at like the lo- the lower parts of your roster in terms in terms of talent and 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 goalkeep and uh, uh goal scoring like that, you can come back from three zero. I I'm a hundred percent in belief of the stars' ability, especially if uh Vegas keeps keeps playing um keeps playing to the if if Vegas and Dallas keep playing at the same pace they have been for the last two games, I I, I think Dallas has this in a bag. I want to make this comparison to Chaz and Jack's Celtics who were in a similar situation. Thank God, dude. Thank God. I don't want to get into the stupid logistical math about how hard it is to win four straight games because the numbers of the math where it's just like, oh, the percentage is going to be really low about winning four straight games does not take into account momentum or the context 
of either of these series. Now, think everyone I talk about Celtics and Heat. No one would deny that the Celtics were the better team on paper, more talented team. Heat might have been a better team chemistry wise at the beginning of the series, but Celtics were a better team that when they started to make this comeback, you went, hey, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And now we're here at a game seven. I think you can kind of jump to the to the same conclusion a little bit with Dallas and Vegas. It's maybe less extreme, but I think on paper, Dallas clearly the better team. I don't think Vegas has a Jason Robertson. I don't think they have a high skin in. They certainly don't have an Ottinger, even though Ottinger maybe hasn't even played like Ottinger throughout all of this series. So I think especially now when you look at where we're at, I'm not thinking about the odds of winning four straight games. We're here now. Dallas just has to win two straight games. One of them at home getting Jamie Ben back. Like this is just win two straight games. A lot of teams in the NHL can do that. So I'm not looking at this as some some really tough probability number. I, I think the series changes with every single game and momentum has has flipped, man. Momentum has flipped. I would not rule out Dallas at least forcing game seven, maybe even winning that. And I think I've gotten that sense from you guys so far too. Well, and the other thing you got to remember is there's, like you said, getting into like all the stupid math to get four games in a row. There's so many different variables at play. I mean, we watched Dallas go into Vegas last night on opposing, you know, being the opposing team, going to Vegas' home turf and put on an absolute clinic when their last trip to Vegas, they they were outplayed. There's certain games where there, there's certain situations in series where it could be location it could be the fact that you were able to handle the opposing crowd one night and you couldn't another night the fact that you know you get a lucky bounce one night and you didn't get one another night there's certain there's too many variables at play they've been able to just control what they can control and that's the other thing that was so impressive about last night's game hockey to me is i mean you can make the argument for any sport but i think of any sport this applies the most to hockey hockey is a game of responses right it takes such the it takes so much wind out of a team's sails just to have one goal scored on them. The, the arena gets silent if if, if it's the if it's the road team scoring, you know you, you kind of see that look of dismay, that kind of that the body language on the goalie after he's realized that it's scored, you know, and the the way that the game goes is all right. How do we respond to this? And if the other team responds first, then this game's going to get out of hand. Dallas. They couldn't. Vegas couldn't get comfortable. Vegas scored twice, and Dallas fired right back, yeah. and then two more Literally right back. 90, 90 seconds or less both times. Both times. It, 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 wild, wild, wild stuff. I, I, I completely agree with what Jack said. Kind of taken aback to Jack and I's Celtics uh, series comparison. I think a big importance in that series, like you talked about how the teams were pretty similar. I think talent-wise, uh, the Heat relying more on the role players. The Celtics need more on their stars. The only biggest differential, I think, in this in that series was the coaching. I think Eric Spolstra outcoaches Joe Missoula 10 days out of nine. So my question to you guys is, do you think that coaching is going to play as, as big of a role in the next two games of this Dallas-Vegas series? It's, it's tough. I think it's more... For me, the difference is if Vegas Vegas as a team can get back to playing the way that they played the first three games. I think a lot of that is coaching. I mean, we kind of talked about with the Rangers and Gallant. Once they went up 2 nothing and started to lose, they never got back to playing good hockey. They just kind of keeled over and died. 
And so I, I think a little bit of this is on is on Vegas's coaching now. So I, I will say a lot of it's on coaching where Vegas has to find a way to find energy and to spark itself. Just suffer two pretty tough losses, a loss in overtime, and then a loss where you go up two times, Dallas ties it, and then scores two straight with some of their third third line, fourth line guys, right? So two tough losses, all of a sudden this is a series now. Now it's kind of about how does Vegas respond? Vegas gets a chance to go into Dallas too. So now it's kind of like they're they're stacked against it. They're maybe starting to feel like the underdogs a little bit. Can they rise up? One of the things I'll say about Vegas, I don't think they're on the level talent-wise as as Dallas. I think they're a really good team. I think they've played really good team hockey since their inception. Listen, they're what they've been around for six years. They've been a playoff perennial. That says a lot about their program through multiple coaches, too. So I, I think Vegas is a really good program. You're getting really good play out of March or so. Barbashev had one of the greatest goals, one of the nicest goals you've seen this in, in this playoff. I, mean, I texted Jack as soon as he scored it. it. It was awesome. Stevenson's been good. Like Vegas is a good team. Aiden Hill's been playing great, too. I know I said that he's not Jake Ottinger. He's been better than Ottinger so far this series, so almost have to walk back that a little bit. I think this is going to be a really fun series. And I would say, I think coaching plays a major part in that when I do think you have two teams that are going to be on pretty even ice in terms of how they're playing and how this series has gone out so far. I think, yeah, that's when you see coaching take the edge. I think you're going to see more told about coaching over the next game, possibly two games if Dallas wins than you do about the previous two, because honestly, now these next two games are adjustments for at least for Vegas coaching in, yeah. in their standpoint, because I don't think that you can blame either of these last two losses on coaching. I, I think if anything, they were outplayed. I think it was, I mean, it was that simple. There was no, like I said, there was no room to breathe for Vegas in game five. And in game four, they were able to just, Dallas was just able to stick with Vegas long enough to where they could get the last lap in overtime. So I don't think that there's necessarily anything to be said about coaching up until this point, but I mean, whatever, whatever, Whatever the hell went wrong for Dallas in the first three games, clearly they were able to find some sort of normalcy for these last two to be able to, to stick with Vegas. But I think I think you're gonna if you if there's anything to be said about Vegas coaching, it's gonna be not right after these last two games, but going into these next two games. I wanna I wanna kind of close out with this, and before I I kind of ask my final parting question, I do want to say I think it's funny. You look at both conference finals matchups, right? No original six teams, no Canadian teams, probably not your traditional hockey markets, right? Florida, Carolina, Vegas, who's new enough. Vegas has become a huge hockey town in six years. Brand new. Right to them. And Dallas, solid hockey town, not one of the top ones. You wouldn't put them in the top conversation. So probably not the conference finals matchup that the NHL wanted. But the games have been highly entertaining. Even the sweep of Florida and Carolina game series is highly entertaining. This Dallas-Vegas series has been highly entertaining. Right, so we know Florida's locked in for the East. Who do you think poses a bigger threat to them out of the West, Vegas or Dallas? Oh, I will say if Ottinger plays to his full potential, I will say Dallas. Because I think Ottinger is the best goalie remaining in the playoffs. I think that the way he can, the way he just owns the net, I think that can kind of uh, flip on its head, kind of uh, counter counteract the way that Florida is able to get those little sneaky goals in. Because I think that 
I think that when you have a when you have a goalie that skilled, I think that uh, I think that Dallas takes it on top of having Robertson and Hintz playing out of their minds. Honestly, I struggle to answer the question because I want to say Dallas because I, I and I do agree completely with Chaz that it's under the condition that Ottinger is 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 on is on point. Um, but that's true of any team. I mean, goaltending is I've said this multiple times. Goaltending is partially what lost Boston in the you know a historic season in the first round. You know, you had you had Olmark give, giving up under two goals a game during the regular season, and then we get to the postseason and you got him and Swayman looking like they've never goaltended before in the last couple games of the series. They look, they look so, like me in the crease. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I the only I'm gonna I'm gonna instead of giving this complicated overworded I'm gonna go ahead and say Dallas. I think that poses a bigger threat. I like I like their roster better than I like Vegas's. The only thing that concerns me with Dallas is that seven, right? I think was it six or seven? Seven. It was seven. So Seattle takes them to seven games. They're a more tired team that I think they're opposing, you know, their opposition in the previous two rounds matched up to them better than I think Vegas has did. I think Vegas handled a pretty powerful Edmonton, uh, Edmonton team pretty swiftly. Um, so my only, my only real concern for Dallas would really just be mileage. That's, that's really all it would be is just, can they, do they have the longevity? Cause they still have to make it out of this series, which is back-to-back sevens. And then go into a series against Florida where they've been resting for a week and a half. Yeah, so it's tough for me. I am kind of torn. I'm rooting for Dallas. I'm a huge Jake Andre fan. Same. I think there's a goalie that could steal a game away from Florida. I take Andre over Aiden Hill. I do kind of think that Vegas has more in the way of depth and a a more consistent four line rotation than Dallas does. Again, we've seen Dallas play a good four lines the last two games, but it hasn't been consistent. I think either way I go into it thinking Florida's the favorite, the way they've been playing. I just kind of think about the way that they've been able to dismantle dismantle stars, whether it's Boston in round one, whether it's the stars of Toronto in round two, whether it's completely neutralizing Ajo in round three. I think that you have a tougher time stopping Vegas because there's not necessarily – one person to key in on. Okay, if you want to just focus on completely stopping March or so, well, then you still have Barbashev and, and Stevenson and all those other guys. But it's it's just a slew of guys, and it's also it's not necessarily. I, I think they have playmakers, but it's a lot more. They create their chances on just great passing and and great fluidity in the offensive zone. I think that can be a tougher offense to stop to than it is when you have necessarily the playmakers. You saw how Panarin kind of gets stopped in the playoffs. I think Vegas' system might pose a bigger threat to Florida. It's tough. Either way, I still think Florida goes into the favorite, whoever comes out of the West. But I can't wait for when we finally find out what the Stanley Cup playoffs are going to be. Boys, this has been a blast. Thank you guys so much. I, I, this is fun, except for Thanks. except for the except for not for except for refusing to acknowledge me as a Celtics fan. Yeah, it's been, it's been um, a fun day. Maddie made her debut on five on three. Chaz, is this your five and three debut? I can't believe I didn't acknowledge that being in the show. My FUV podcast debut. Oh my goodness! This never is been in a podcast. Are you serious? Yeah, 
This is my first podcast. Well, that's I, awesome. I tell you what, Chaz, maybe take it as a compliment that I forgot this is your five and three debut because you couldn't <sighs> tell you couldn't tell it was your podcast debut. There we go. Also, I just want to I just want to say real quick, backtracking to to Maddie's appearance. That was electric. Uh, she uh, should be oh, she should be right. a she should be a uh, a godforsaken guest even though you roll your eyes when you see her lou um i think she should I'm, be a I'm god i'm not familiar with who you're talking about yeah i know yeah, i think you, she should be a god for saying often often imitated never duplicated maddie oh, beautiful quote beautiful she's, quote. She's, she's the goat we need to get her back on here because that was one of the i hope we can get lou you need to get the the video footage of me while she was giving the eulogy because yeah, i just just reactions and then just have the three of us react. i was laughing i can see so a tiktok hard. in our future for sure yeah yeah, yeah. game six game six tonight game six, game tomorrow. six tomorrow game tomorrow. six tomorrow bold bold prediction dad and off and domi will both score Ooh. my bold prediction my i bold love prediction it. Well, listen, the next time that this podcast records and I have a little inkling that Jack Warner will be returning on next week's podcast, that just checks staff assignments. Next time that this podcast records, Stanley Cup playoff matchup will be set. So we have that to look forward to. Greatest championship in sports, greatest playoff in sports. Can't wait. Guys, until then, it's been a blast. For Chaz McAdams, for Jack Warner, who is a Celtics fan. For Maddie DeMonte, who may or may not exist. We don't know. I'm Lou Orlando. It's been a blast. Take it easy, guys.